I'm interested, you know, what, what do you remember from getting ready for Black Friday? What sort of advice could you offer to a retailer, a CE retailer right now as they look to the back half of the year? Black Friday was always my favorite. So I would tell our members, you know, focus on your execution. What does your store look like? What's your attachment strategy? What is your merchandising strategy? I think all of our members are going to have good Black Fridays. It'll be the difference between a good Black Friday and a great Black Friday. Welcome into the Independent Thinking Podcast. This is your host, Rob Stott. Got a, a fun one, uh, you know, for us this week on the Independent Thinking Podcast. And, you know, I think anyone around this time of year in the retail space, you, you hear about those Christmas and July sales and trying to get consumers excited about some, you know, the, the Black Friday preview type deals and things like that. Well, this time of year is also an important time, you know, when CE retailers in particular are prepping their show their showrooms, their inventory and their warehouses for that back half of the year, that Black Friday holiday event uh, that we're all looking forward to in, in the Q3 final couple months and weeks of the year. And, um, you know, no better people to talk to about that time of year and, and what goes into it than the CE team here at Nationwide, which is headed up by none other than Lee McDonald, our VP of CE. And uh, talk about a lot of great things. You know, Lee's obviously keeping an eye on, uh, you know, what's working well right now in consumer electronics for our retailers. And um, of course, that that goes down to the TV and audio space, but also those other categories, you know, connected home and some of the connected services and things that are happening there. And uh, we also get into it too about you know uh, the attachments, you know the importance that they hold, especially around Black Friday, being able to you know make up for some of those lost margin opportunities with the, the deep discounts and things like that. But uh, attachments and accessories have always played a major role in the consumer electronics space. So we get into that and. Uh, you know, of course, too, the the second half of the year, not only a big sale event uh, time of the year, but also a, a big time for the consumer electronics industry from an event standpoint. We got CDO on our calendars. We got CES just around the corner. Primetime obviously happening as well. So lots to talk about with Lee. And, uh, you know, we, we spend a good chunk of time doing that. So I don't want to waste any of uh, your time. And we'll, we'll just dive right into it here and, and talk about consumer electronics with Lee McDonald here on the Independent Thinking Podcast. All right, we are back on the Independent Thinking Podcast, and uh, it's not often you get to pull someone like Lee McDonald out of bed super early for you know a, a podcast and to talk business. But we did it on a Monday. You know, you'll you'll be listening to this, I think, tomorrow. You know, is when this will officially go live. So quick turnaround for us. But Lee, appreciate you. Uh, you know, at the the butt crack of dawn, getting up and talking business this morning. <laughs> Only for you, Rob. Only for you. <laughs> well, I you know. I think you could ask anyone in, in Nationwide. They know I have a, a soft spot. They kind of back to my roots on the the dark, the dark side of uh, the industry with consumer electronics from where I come from. And I, I say dark side only because I spent the weekend. Uh, I finished Obi-Wan Kenobi. I don't know. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. You have? Of course. It's, a, it's it. a good one. So I, any consumer electronics fan, I don't think you can... You'd be hard pressed to find one that's not a fan of Star Wars. So to finish that up, and then turn around and talk CE on a Monday, I'm happy to do it. So I appreciate <laughs> you uh, keeping keeping my weekend rolling this morning. <laughs> hey, whatever, whatever I can do to help you, Rob. <laughs> awesome. Well, well, let's just start you know, with the business. How's how's it been? What's uh, what's going well right now in consumer electronics for our members? And you know, what are what are the things you're keeping an eye on? Yeah, I mean, it, it's. Um... You know, probably sound like a broken record for those of uh, your listeners who listen to independent thinking. Uh, business has been good, which may not be the response that folks are expecting, 
or would you know anticipate hearing out of my mouth right now and it's not universal there are certainly pockets of, of challenge and there's um, you know some challenge, uh, headwinds in the industry but overall uh, performance of the group is is strong um, we just got the most recent NPD numbers NPD uh, the largest group that tracks you know consumer electronic sales you know if you're an appliance retailer think of AHAM um, and Jeff Rose is gonna be upset with me I don't know what the equivalent is I know there's some equivalent in furniture and bedding um, maybe Mike Darrow and Jeff will tell me um, but NPD anyways says that the industry right now consumer electronics is down 17 percent so just you know record scratch and you know <laughs> pull back to what yeah, i said this is really good. um nationwide members have always and i would imagine will always out index the industry um so even though the industry is down you know, you know pretty significantly double digits right now that's really been driven by low-end um entry-level product at national retail best buy costco Th those are the ones that are really hurting you know if, if you were um, calling me and I was the the merchant or lead buyer at Costco or Best Buy, um, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have any hair left right now. Uh, <laughs> they're having some challenges, some significant struggles, uh, dealing with lack of demand, um, pricing challenges, promotional roadmap cadence, and it's just it's kind of a mess for them. Um, regional retail and independent retail, on the other hand, you know our members are up double digits, so there's a you know near thirty point swing between where the industry's at and where independent retail is performing. And it's, um, you know, I think sometimes we take it for granted. We talk about it a lot, you know, how do we outperform the industry, but we don't really give the members credit. There was a really good article um, John Riddle shared. Uh, he's the CEO of Howard's. And he, it was more of an appliance article. I think it was from CNBC or CBS, or I can't remember who the outlet was, but it talked about just, you know, why you don't want to buy from a big box. And it was, it just, you know, there's nothing new in that article, but it just kind of reinforces the point like, hey, you're going to make a major life purchase, uh, you know, several thousand dollar appliance, several thousand dollar TV, even an entry level TV. Where do you want to buy that from? Do you want to buy that, you know, from some place that you buy your bulk lunch meat? <laughs> or do you want to buy it from someone, you know, that understands technology, takes the time to listen and qualify you and, and make sure they're not going to over or undersell you? So, you know, it's just, these are technologies, and again, this is where the broken record comes back. And these are technologies that are designed by, um, you know, with intent to be sold somewhere where they can, you know, be demonstrated, and their technologies are demonstrable. So um, I'm glad to see the members are doing so well. There's a lot of challenges and a lot of headwinds in the industry right now, and a lot of challenges and headwinds in the in the economy. Uh, but overall. Um, the membership is strong, and um, I'm humbled to be a small part of that. Yeah, I know you. Uh, you kind of hit on it there in, in sort of how you describe it, and and John's article I think is a perfect example of what you know what he shared. Um, you know, this space, and I, I think back to prime times past, and we look at you know the charts that get posted and things like that, and you know how you guys are talking about where the successes are happening, and it's always it always seems to be that you know the the tier one, the premium. TVs that are helping to drive that because, we, as you said, our members, you know, you don't go to a, a big box store looking for, you know, something of that caliber of that, you know, level TV. Typically, you know, you want to go somewhere where someone's knowledgeable and you can talk to them. Is it still are TVs the main driver of, of that success or are there other areas of the business that are doing well? Uh, you know, I would say TVs are they're, they're carrying the lion's share of the business just because that's kind of the. You know, that's the heartbeat of the ecosystem. So you yeah. buy a TV, you buy an audio system, you buy cables, warranty, protection, installation, mounting, everything else kind of goes around the, the TV. Yeah. Um, but so we're seeing all, you know, kind of all categories, all ancillary categories 
rise. Audio is doing really, really well. Um, and again, it's it's really where you see the challenges. And I would hope if there's a member listening to this, when you know, <laughs> I really struggle with you know saying things like "Don't believe the news" because the news <laughs> is you know, by and large pretty pretty accurate and truthful as long as you're not going to like Facebook for it or Instagram. Um, but you know, and this is one thing where you need to maybe not distrust the news, but just understand what the data is telling you and really, really dig into the data. So again, the data is that entry level TV, audio, Blu-ray, all, you know, all kinds of different categories is really struggling. Um, but, you know, again, that's, that's never where our members have played. That's, they can't make money there. They're, they're not, that's not what people come to see. You know, nobody drives 20 minutes to Marina Pacifica to see the new Howards uh, to see a $200 TV. They want to right. see, you know, a Thermidor kitchen they want to see all the stuff that goes around, you know, those types of quality um, level of products. So, you know, it's, it is being driven by TV, but there's some really great stuff happening in home automation and security. There's some really great stuff happening in audio. Um, I actually think we're going to see, I don't want to call it an audio renaissance. Maybe that's a little, uh, <laughs> it's a little too <laughs> overzealous, but there's some really cool stuff happening where you're, you're getting a uh, Dolby Atmos, and Dolby DTS and, and a lot of these, I would say fairly high-end audio technologies. And um, I'm an audio skeptic. I don't really believe that the human ear, I mean, scientifically, is not going to be able to hear the difference between a one thousand and a ten thousand dollar audio cable. I'm sure I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get a bunch of <laughs> yeah. HTSN and Osio members like you can totally tell. Yeah, but um, you know, some of those technologies like Dolby DTS and Dolby Atmos you can hear like an average person who has never been trained to listen to audio or never, you know, spent their life in a showroom like you and I have can walk in and get a a demo and be like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, And and those technologies used to be in the thousands of dollars of audio equipment. That stuff is now coming down into five to $700. So I think one, you're going to get a lot more people who are interested in spending a little bit more audio. And then two, if you're a member, it's an opportunity for you to start, you know, maybe thinking differently about how you present audio as a part of the sales process, um, how you display audio, because the, the one caveat to that is you, it does take a little bit of tweaking. You can't just put like a row of TVs and a row of sound bars and expect someone to get a, a good Dolby demo, right. but it doesn't take, you know, like you don't have to build an audio room like you used to, you just, you know, just probably need a couch and, some other things but it's um it's exciting anyways yeah no absolutely and those are obviously two areas you, you tv and audio that we've continued to see improvements year over year and i know you know there's examples out there some really revolutionary type technologies but what what are the other areas of the business you hit on them a little bit with home automation and things like that but to you personally what are the other areas of the business where you think some opportunity exists or you know the the potential hasn't really been tapped into yet um by the independent retailer yeah, it's, uh, you know, if you ever go to primetime and you go to one of my merch sessions, I usually start off by saying something snarky like, uh, welcome to the uh, the highest margin category <laughs> or you know, something like that. And it, I, I actually do believe it in my heart of hearts. There's just, there's more things you can attach to a TV than you can attach to an appliance or it's not saying that those are, are bad categories. It's just poking a little bit of fun at, uh, at, our, at our friends, Doug and, and Mike Darrow. Um, but you know, I, I think that the opportunity for members, especially today, is just the the different attachment categories. Um, and it's, you know, I think a lot of people have bad taste in their mouth from selling, you know, $150, $200 
you know, premium audio monster cables and stuff like that. Uh, and that's not what I'm suggesting, but, um, you know, I'll tell you a lot of times when I'm on the road, which is more than I want, and we do store visits constantly, um, there's just an opportunity in members in member stores on how they merchandise, uh, attachment products. So some, some folks do it really good. You know, there's a little tree with, uh, uh, you know, audio cables and different you know, stuff there. There's uh, POP that talks about warranty. They talk about um, delivery installation mounts are there. They have furniture, but um, you know, I, Rob, I don't think there's a one category that's just like a lightning rod like it is right now, but you know, there's a lot of new technology in TVs and there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of interesting things going on in, in TVs. I think this, this year, especially with Samsung releasing OLED, even though it's not a new technology, um, with some of what they're doing on lifestyle series TVs, with TCL releasing ultra large panels, with Hisense, you know, um, really leaning into the group and what they're doing in TVs, their TVs are beautiful. Um, with some things that um, probably not quite ready to talk about, but we'll talk about at prime time. Uh, you know, there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of traffic into our member stores looking for a solution for a TV focused solution. And there's an opportunity to, to merchandise and attach around that. So, um, you know, if you're not happy with the 20 to 25 point margins on TVs, uh, I'd encourage you to um, reach out and let's, let's figure out a merchandising strategy for attachments and cables and accessories and mounts and, and power conditioning. Um, because, and there's just, there's just a lot of opportunity around those, those secondary and third, uh, tertiary categories. Absolutely. And, um, you know, exciting to see you kind of, I can tell you're getting, you know, anxious to want to be able to assist in that, in that, you know, sort of, um, the, the strategy for those businesses and, and get in there and help these members. And, uh, another way, you know, kind of tapping into your, your background and kind of where you came up in this industry, um, you know, looking ahead to you, you talk about merchandising. I know, you know, we're sitting here mid July, people like to talk about that Christmas in July type, you know, mentality of, of things, but for the CE retailer, you know, right now, and I remember just back to my own days of covering the industry, like right now is the time you're thinking about the back half of the year. And, um, you know, you mentioned Black Friday, that that's a, a the kind of the tentpole event that happens in this industry um, each year, and especially in the CE category. You know, you think about getting ready for that time of year, typically happening right now. Um, you know, obviously customers are, uh, they have their own summer shopping events that they they look for, but for the retailer right now is typically when the buying happens for that back half of the year. So I'm interested, you know, what what do you remember from your time of you know getting ready for Black Friday, you know, in the summer, and uh, what what sort of advice could you offer to a retailer, a CE retailer, right now as they you know look to the back half of the year? Uh, get a really good therapist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's. I, I actually I buried all of my buyer memories. In the <laughs> You're asking me to dig them out. No, um, Black Friday was always my favorite. It's it's you know, I always say that if you are in the industry for more than a year, you either get out really quickly or you're you're kind of dumb enough to stay around. And and I was dumb enough to stay around just because I loved Black Friday. I loved the holidays. Um, so, so here's what I would say, you know, if, if I was still in a merchant role today at a retailer and I was making buying decisions, um, you know, I think what I struggled with for a long time, and I, and I, I was a buyer at a, at a fairly large retailer, I mean, a multi-billion dollar retailer, um, but even at, you know, even at a retailer that size, 
what I got frustrated with enough or often was not being the market maker or not controlling the decisions that were made from some of my largest partners, Samsung, LG, Sony. Um, and the reality is you're just, you're just not. Um, and that may sound incredibly offensive or dismissive, but it's actually very freeing kind of once you internalize that. Um, and, and here's what I mean by that. Once you realize that, as a merchant, you are not going to dictate pricing, promotion, or cadence or rhythm of those large categories, that it's really, um, you know, more of a partnership and you, you should still work on that and, you know, make sure that you're part of the communications process. But once, once you realize that you don't have the burden of trying to plan the entire holiday season for them, you know, it frees you up to do a lot more, a lot more things. So I wish I had that wisdom when I was running some different categories, but, you know, for our members, what I would tell you is Black Friday is going to happen. Your stores are going to be busy. You are going to run out of inventory. Um, and so I would worry less about what the major panel manufacturers, what their pricing is going to be, how terrible their margins are going to be. You know that stuff. It happens every year like clockwork. Um, you know, they're going to drop derivative bottles. They're, you know, people are going to violate, violate math. People are going to violate UPP. It is going to happen. It has happened every year the last decade and a half I've been in this role. Um, so what I would do is I would focus on, again, those other categories. What, it, you know, where can you be the market maker? Can you buy closeouts and mounts and cables to, you know, submit, uh, uh, su uh, supplement your margin? You know, one of the things that a former retailer that I used to work for did really well is they knew that they were going to lose, you know, seven or eight dollars a tablet. But that tablet was going to get a thousand people in line at every one of their 26 locations. And so they had a table when you walk by and the table had all the accessories. So to get it's like, you know, why do they put the milk in the back of the store? Because they want you to walk by everything else. Um, you know, they knew that people were going to be wanting to buy this tablet. And so what they did is they went out and they bought 40,000, you know, off the shelf in China cases. They bought, you know, screen protectors and screen cleaners and everything else. And the result was that, you know, that $7 loss, net loss in that tablet went to about a 14 or $15 net profit across the entire chain by the time um, everything was done. And that tablet was, you know, and they were one of the largest computer retailers in the country. In fact, they probably are the largest computer retailer in the company today. Uh, they didn't set the price on that. I mean, that was a national promotion. They worked in partnership with some of their, you know, their vendor partners. Um, but what they did really well was they focused on execution. So I would tell our members, you know, focus on your execution. What does your store look like? What's your attachment strategy? What is your merchandising strategy? Um, that to me is the difference between retailers who are going to have a good Black Friday because I think all of our members are going to have good Black Fridays. Um, it'll be the difference between a good Black Friday and a great Black Friday. No, that's, I, I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And I, I think, you know, the, the attachment game is, is kind of the one, is it a hard one to get into, like to understand and really, I, I mean, what's the, I, what you mentioned the mindset and kind of, you know, looking at, for those tertiary opportunities and things on the freight, like attachments are a part of CE that that's always been the case, but like, what is it, is it something a mindset that, to focus or, you know, what's the, the bit of strategy that you can offer that, you know, might, might it's, help that retailer get over the hump. Yeah. It's, it's, it's actually really hard because it's the merchant doesn't own it. 
the merchant can go out and source some different opportunities and they can find the product, but it's really a partnership between the merchandising team, and the sales organization at a, at a company, because um, it requires the, there to be a, a sales culture, a consultative sales culture on the sales floor. Um, and another retailer I worked at when I was actually on the sales floor, um, our metric was we had these, um, we had these, these categories, you know, audio mounts, cables, warranty, installation, we had all these different categories. And our goal was to attach 60 cents of attachment category uh, product to every dollar of TV. And, and we drilled that like constantly and everybody, everybody was ranked there. Was, that was the top KPI in the entire company is what was, what were you attaching to a TV? We knew we were going to sell TVs. We knew everybody wants to buy a TV. Nobody very rarely comes in and says, Hey, you know, show me the latest and greatest mount you have, or show me, you know, uh, show me the new uh, monster power conditioner or Panamax power. Like this, that just doesn't happen. Those are technologies that have to be um, shown and demonstrated. So, um, we built, or not we, the, the company was built around the focus of, you know, selling these other categories. And 60% was kind of the entry level. If you weren't 60%, you were probably on your way out. We had some folks that were 100, 105, 110, 115%. We had million dollar riders, you know, that were 100%. So they were riding million dollars in TV and a million dollars in accessories. Wow. Um, that is possible. It was possible then. It is possible today. There are people doing it today, and those are the companies that are are really thriving in electronics and electronics retail. And it doesn't mean you're you know you're trying to stuff a two hundred dollar cable on a, on a five hundred dollar TV. That's that's just not it. Um, but it's warranties and service and everything else. So you know you asked how how do you execute that at, at retail? You, you really need a, a good strong partnership between your sales organization and the merchandising team. And in fact. If you have a great sales organization, they are typically the ones that deliver the demands and the needs to the merchandising team. That's how you can tell if it's really strong. And where I've you know worked previously, that's that's the way it was because we just had an awesome sales culture. Um, you know, we did art of the demo. We were doing audio demos, practicing audio demos every Sunday morning. Um, I could still give you a seven channel, a five channel, and a two channel demo. You know, across different genres because it has just been drilled into my you know into my mind. The music might be you know a few decades old, and it might not be relevant today. Like I don't I don't think I've ever done a Lizzo uh, two channel demo, but I could probably I could probably figure it out if I had to. Um, but it it it's a, a sales culture that takes time to build. Um, but again, that's why our retailers and our members are doing so well is because I think that either they already have that culture and that's why they're thriving or they have the fundamentals of that place and it wouldn't be too hard to tweak it. Right. Now, the thing I love about thinking about that, that type of culture, and, and it's, it's more than just asking a question. I think to, you know, if you shop at a, a big box store and you think about the what that purchase process is like, I, no one's really walking you through. You may, in some rare instances, you might get someone that is a and talking specifically about CE big box and that experience. Like you might get someone that's passionate about a product and be all excited to show it, show it to you, but it, it's not the same experience as being in an independent retail store and the the kind of the care and the attention that you get in that demo and in that walkthrough and just the you know. You think about the attachments from a warranty state. It's just a question thrown on at the end of the the point of sale process. Like that's that's the level of attachment that I think of. You know, as far as how they're attempting to you know add on those those types of accessories and things like that. But it, it's really more of an experience. It's the experience 
that lends itself to success in sort of the attachment space, you know, for an independent retailer. So it's just awesome to hear you talk about it and explain it that way and just how it really is different and um, you know, more than just a mindset. It, it's really, you know, how you walk that customer through the um, the experience of the product and, and everything that goes along with it. And the, the experience sells itself with those attachments. Yeah. And it's in, I'm sure you and I can come up with a dozen anecdotal yeah. stories, solicit anecdotal stories, but the data doesn't lie. I mean, anytime there's a survey, you know, consumer reports or any other consumer magazine, independent retail, doesn't matter what the category is, it's always at the top. And it's, and it's for those reasons you said, I mean, it's because somebody wants to talk to someone who is pursuing a career and not just, you know, in a part-time job, you know, and kudos to our members because they're the reason that that, that culture exists. You know, when this pandemic hit, uh, these national retailers either shut down um, and, or they stayed open, but they furloughed, you know, sometimes thousands of employees, yeah. people who had mortgages and jobs and kids, and, you know, our members by and large where they could, they stayed open, um, you know, and they stayed open out of necessity to serve their communities. When your refrigerator breaks during COVID, that's pretty scary. Um, you know, how do you keep your food cold? How do you feed your family? You're not going to Best Buy to get that uh, repaired. They're they're not open. Um, so, you know, kudos to our members who stayed open, kept their their employees, um, you know, staffed and paid, and and were able to to keep that that open because that's that's the kind of culture and community that that really is the foundation to that experience. So, you know, again, you're not trying to push a $200 cable on someone, but you're asking the question during the sales process, like, Hey, what are you hooking this up to in your house? Like, Oh, you just bought a new soundbar. Well, you know, that soundbar doesn't have, you know, optical audio anymore. You really need, um, and you really need HDMI CEC. So, you know, do you have an HDMI cable at home? Oh, well, I'm not sure. Okay. Well, it's a 30 minute drive. Here's a $15 HDMI cable or $20 HDMI cable. If you don't need it, just return it. Um, more often than not, the retailers aren't, you know, the, or, um, consumers aren't going to return that cable. Right. I, mean, I have a box full of HDMI cables in my basement <laughs> and I still probably buy one, you know, at least once or twice a year. <laughs> no, um, yeah, cool to hear you kind of dive into that. And again, like I said a little bit ago, passion bleeds through it in sort of your, your explanations and talking to you. So it's awesome to hear, but at the, the, uh, at the risk of completely shifting courses, I want to spend a couple minutes while while we have the time talking about some of the events that are coming up the back half of the year because I know it's a busy time for this channel and uh, yeah. you know, prime prime time we'll talk about in a second. Um, but there's a couple other events. We got Cedia happening, and then I it, it's it feels like it's half a year away because it almost is. But CES is right around the corner too, and I know we're prepping for that. So I, I want to take the uh, yeah right. I want to take the chance to you know get your your take and, you know, sort of the, the approach to those events that you go into them with. And, um, you know, what, what's sort of the, the goal, I guess, for you as you approach an event like CDA or CES that, uh, you know, a member wondering, you know, what Nationwide's doing at a CES or a CDA, what are we doing there? And, and sort of what do you, what's your approach and, and what do you like to uh, come out of those events with? Um, I, I look at every event um, fairly similar and through the same line. Through, yeah. It is really through the same <laughs> lens. Um, and that's the lens of um, how can I serve the members? What, what does a member want to get out of this? So it's different for each show just because the theme of each show and the scope of each show is a little, you know, a little different, but for Cedia, it's through the lens of, okay, what does um, an HTSN or Ozion member need from this show? What, what could they benefit from? So when I walk through there, um, I walk through looking for opportunity. 
you know, I, I talk to members constantly. It's one of my favorite parts of the job. Um, and I'm fortunate enough that some of them trust me with, you know, the challenges uh, and headwinds that they've got in their business. So uh, I got a journal that's actually in my office at work. That's just, you know, frustrations. I call it the frustration journal um, where I write down all of our member challenges and, and just try my best out the year to go back and see if I can solve any of them. So first thing I do when I walk through CD is usually I take the, the first day of any trade show and just walk around and see kind of what's new. Um, what are the new brands? Is there a brand that someone asked me to look at or to, to you know check into? Is there uh, services or new services that are out there that would be beneficial to the member that we could either replicate inside the organization or we partner with um, you know that company to, to provide those services? So that's that's the first thing. And then is there anything I could take back to the membership at large um, to, to work? And then the second part is you know, reaching out to new and prospective other, you know, integrator businesses, what we'll do, be doing at CD. We're going to have a, a fairly large presence at CD this year. Um, obviously with our partnership with Azio and HTSN, you know, it's, it's a lot. So there's a lot of different opportunities there. Um, and what we found after diving into the CI business over the last 12 months is there's probably more opportunity than people realize, certainly myself and, and you know, probably say, speak a little over my skis and say some other folks in the organization as well, but there's just, there's a lot of independent businesses who could benefit by joining a group. And, you know, I think about the catalyst for, for me wanting to be a, a part of the nationwide staff. And, and the reason I fell in love with the group is my parents ran an independent business and we get ran over by national chains all the time. And it was just so frustrating. I wish, wish I had a time machine. I could go back and, you know, start a, a group for, you know, my parents are in the restaurant business. I wish I could do something that would help them. Um, and so when I look around and I see, you know, thousands of other, other businesses that are, are like that, um, you know, it, it kind of hurts. You know, I want to go out and, and figure out, is there something we can do to help them? Is, um, you know, because I want them to stay in business. The, the unfortunate statistic is that around 95% of all of these businesses are going to go out. You know, the new ones, the new ones that are not established. Let me just be clear. I don't want to scare our members. Right. <laughs> uh, but these these new businesses. And so I wonder, you know, could I get that down to 75% or could we get that down? Um, so that's, you know, that's, those are really my two focuses when I go to CDF. Oh, and, and, then, and, and then CES is, you know, it's a monster. You can't, that doesn't, like, yeah. You can't walk like, around that show in a day. <laughs> yeah. It's like a kid in a candy store. Yeah. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to uh, lie and say that there, <laughs> there is some very selfish, uh, uh, self-fulfillment going on for these shows because, you know, like you said, I love this industry and super hyper passionate about it. I, um, I love learning about technology and I love watching kind of just the evolution of the progress. And it just, it's exciting because the technology is in this constant march forward and that, you know, that bleeding edge of technology, the very forefront, that's what comes to independent retail first. You know, that like that hits our channel before it's at a Best Buy or a Costco or anyone else before they figure out how to package, package it, monetize it. Um, but, you know, our members are displaying it and they're the ones that are really driving that technology. So when I go to uh, CES, that's really what I'm looking for is like, all right, what's new? What's going to excite consumers? And then how do our members, you know, how do our members fold this into their strategy, into their stores and their merchandising and marketing plans? Because, you know, they're going to they're going to need us retail or manufacturers are going to need us to show that. Yeah. No, you, you hit it right. It's, I mean, there's, don't get us wrong. Some geekness that, that shows through at those events is Cedia too. That's like where the techie of the techiest show up is at that show. And uh, that's where you find the, the true audio files and, and video. 
video files? You know, the nerds that are out there looking at that tech, you know, the 16K before it uh, it shows up and stuff like that. So uh, you'll see it at shows like that. And um, certainly a lot of fun for us to be there looking at it and then just sharing that news and, and getting, you know, the, the, the insights on what's coming to members so that they can be ready and, and, you know, prep their businesses for what's coming down the road. But, and then you look at a show like Primetime. And, uh, you know, that's just around the corner here, a little less than a month, a month away, four weeks, just about, I think it's crazy enough to think, but, um, you know, as you, you prep for that one, I, I, I see you shaking the head, uh, you know, as you prep for that one, what, uh, uh you know, what are you looking forward to most? Uh, we could talk another whole nother episode on what's going to be happening at prime time, but you know, what's, what's the kind of one or two things that you're most looking forward to about our time together in Orlando? Um, that that one's a little bit easier. The thing I always look forward to at prime time is just seeing everybody. Um, whether that's seeing, you know, part of my team, I get to see maybe four times, five times a year in person, um, or just, you know, the broader nationwide family, which is growing. Um, that's always the most fun for me. And, and hanging out with our members, talking to them, spending, you know, meaningful time listening to them, um, trying to help them and, and set the stage because the, the reality is that we prep for prime time every day of every month. <laughs> I mean, it just, it never stops there. There may be a week at the, like afterwards where there's just nervous exhaustion, but then it's, you know, we're right back. We're looking at, you know, new venues and, you know, trying to start, start the, the engine again already. Um, but it, it's seeing people. And then it's also, um, you know, we work a long time to, to put offers together and everything else. So it's, it's fun to watch those, kind of um, unfold at the show and then watch members' eyes hopefully light up with delight. Um, you know, if we've done our jobs, uh, then, you know, we're, we're here to help and serve members. So to me, it's it's fun to work really hard. Um, and I, I wish I wish I could remember the quote. There's, I love Teddy Roosevelt. I love American history and American presidents, but he has a quote about, um, I'm going to butcher it. So if someone's going to look it up and probably post the right one, but it's, you know, the best the best, the most rewarding part of life is doing work worth doing something like that along those lines. And I couldn't think of anything better, you know, a better physical manifestation of that than, than prime time, because there's no greater membership. There's no greater cause than serving our members. And so for me, it's, it's kind of watching all of the, all the different threads that you pull throughout the year come together in, in 36 hours, just terrifying <laughs> it is and it's it's right around the corner and uh you know i know we got a lot of work left to do uh, prepping for it and, and getting ready for members to be with us in orlando so uh looking forward to it and, and as always like you said looking forward to catching up with the team and, and you and seeing everyone down there and our members especially so uh we'll we'll let you go get that second cup of coffee maybe this morning already you know since i dragged you out of fourth <laughs> we'll let you go uh you know get get more awake and uh you know back to work, you know, getting ready for this show and others coming down the road. So Lee, I, I appreciate the time. Always awesome to chat with you. Uh, always awesome to, to dive into the CE space. So appreciate you letting us do it. Absolutely. Thanks, Rob. Awesome. And thanks to Lee for taking the time and diving into you know, some of the, the things that he remembers from his days of prepping for Black Friday and, and as a CE retailer and uh, a buyer in the space. So I uh, appreciate that. And of, of course, too, diving into the events and, you know, how he approaches things like Cedia and 
uh, CES and all those other big events that happen on the, the calendar for the consumer electronics space. And of course, primetime. You know, we look forward to seeing everyone down there in Orlando in just a few weeks. So uh, lots to look forward to and appreciate him talking about it with, all with us. And of course, as always, appreciate you listening to the Independent Thinking Podcast. And we'll catch you next time.